Okay, well today we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times we sing about his his death and, and dying on the cross and his blood. And if you look in the back of a hymnal, you'll see lots more hymns about his death and about his blood and you know his power in the blood and what can wash away my sins. Some of the ones we sung this morning, and we see very few songs about his resurrection. It's almost like a a, a very Little talked about doctrine in the church, a very almost forgotten doctrine in the church. But if he if he died but he didn't rise, we're still, according to First Corinthians 15, we're still pitiful, we're still in our sins, we, we have no hope. Uh, but it's because he lives that I can face tomorrow. It's because he lives that I know that I'm going to live, that death is not the end for me, that, great, that the grave has lost its sting, and that I'm going to live with him again forever. And so, really, I think, you know, we see lots of Christians wearing crosses around their necks. Maybe you should start wearing these things that have like little rocks that roll away and there's a tomb there. Yeah, a little rock rolling away. You know, run. Yeah, so you, I mean, well, not, not literal rocks and literal tombs, of course, but I'm just talking like a little gold thing that has a little, and it rolls away and can roll back, you know. That, that's actually a better picture of what the Christian life is like because he died, but he rose again. You know, and, and part of being baptized is symbolic of the conversion is you don't stay underwater, do you? You come back up. That's the newness of life you walk in. And so uh, we're going to talk about the resurrection this morning. And um, it, it, for skeptics and for those who are critical of the Bible, this is one of the areas I like to attack more than anything else because there's lots of different things. And it's really you have to piece the puzzle together when it comes to this. So you're going to really need to have your thinking caps on this morning, you really need to be thinking these things through because we're going to go back and forth to each gospel and even to 1 Corinthians as well, to see how these things happen, the chronology of the events. So first, let's read Matthew 28, uh, 1 through 10. Okay. Um, and actually, before we even go there, let's just do a little review of last week. What do you remember from last week? What sticks out in your mind from last week? And of course, anyone can get involved in this. Children, ladies, you can all vocalize whatever, whatever you believe you learned from last week as a review. And what, what does that prove? It proves that they were what when Jesus was speaking? And they were listening. Yeah, they, they were listening to what he was saying. And they even understood it, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't have put the guards there in the first place. What else? Okay. Because he, because of why? How did they know that? How would they know that? Do you remember when they would have seen that? There you go, there you go. And then people who saw him when he was crucified, right? They would have known it too. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. All right. I don't know if that was from last week, but that's that's true. Yeah. sedition and murder and uh, someone who was accused of sedition and murder but he knew had no fault in him mm-hmm. to offer up that choice was uh, he was just being unjust in his governorship he was just trying to please the people 
Anybody else? Fresh on? Okay. All right. Okay, well, let's... Uh, part of the council, yep. Yep, yep that's good. Now, what, what can you tell me what prophecies we talked about last week that are fulfilled in the scriptures we talked about last week? What about his burial, where he was buried? How was that, how was that fulfilled? Well, yeah, new tomb, but there was something, another adjective used with tomb that, rich man's tomb. Right, he... he he was he died with the criminals, but he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Scriptures say, "Is that fulfilled prophecy?" Those things happening. What else? What about the location of the tomb? Do you remember about that? Right near a garden, right? And how was that helpful? And why was that important? Okay, yeah, that's one reason it was important. They had to get done before the Passover started. And when did the Passover start? Six p. About six p.m. Right. And so Jesus died at what time? Three p.m. And so they had three hours to go ask Pilate for him to confirm that he was dead, then to get him off the cross and to put him in the tomb. It's not much time. Right. Right. And how how many pounds are there? You remember that? Yeah. See. Yeah, so they, they, these all these things have to fall into place. They have to have something that was nearby because he wouldn't have much time to get them anywhere else. So it's very important that of these things. Right, anything else you remember from from last week? What is the day of preparation? What day is that? Sean. Yeah, that's that's why it was called day preparation because it was the day before Sabbath. Sabbath, you wouldn't gather any food at all. You wouldn't even cook it on the Sabbath. So it'd be Friday on our calendar. It'd be Friday is the Sabbath of Saturday on our calendar. And when we said we talked about the three days last week that Jesus was in the in the tomb for, in the grave for three days, does that mean three twenty-four hour periods? It means what? Yeah, so it, the days go from basically from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay, so any part of any day would count. Sorry, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Any part of any day would count as one day. Okay, so we're, we're using Jewish reckoning here, not American English reckoning, but Jewish reckoning when it comes to counting the days. Uh, so if, if we get these things right, we won't get a wrong day like he was buried on Thursday or he was buried on Wednesday. We won't get a wrong day when it comes to these things. We'll get the right days and realize what they mean by three days. Okay, anything else anyone remembers before we move on? Okay. Oh, okay, go ahead. Um, the prophecies were fulfilled that um, 
Yes, that's true. That's true. So what did that mean, Malachi, when they came to him and they were going to break his bones? What did they find out? That's right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Let's go to Matthew 28, and we'll start in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10. <clears throat> now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. <clears throat> so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring the, his disciples word. And as they went to tell Jesus, Jesus his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, that there may there they will see me. Okay, let's stop there in Matthew. Let's go to Mark. And we're going to read all, all these accounts first, and then I'm going to start to give you a chronology of events as I see it unfolding here. Okay, Mark 16, <clears throat> 1 through 14. So hopefully you have your thinking caps on, you're thinking about the details, things that are, you know, added details given here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and new things we're seeing here, so we can piece it that together. Okay, Mark 16, 1 through 14. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went to the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Okay, go to Luke 24. Are you catching new details along the way? Good. Luke 24, and I'll read uh, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not, see the body, did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
It happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And the words seemed to them like idle tales and did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Okay, finally go to John chapter 20. And we're going to start in verse 1, and uh, we'll read through verse 11 to start out with here. <clears throat> now, on the first day of the week, Mary and Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. And the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The disciples went away again to their own homes. Uh, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Okay, stop there. Let's go back to Matthew. All right, so let's talk about the chronology here. And we'll get back into all these passages again, just to kind of look at details here. Okay, <clears throat> first thing happens is in Mark 16.1, it says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, and when, when, when does the Sabbath pass? When does the day end and the new day start again? 6 p.m. So when the Sabbath had passed, so this is right after the Sabbath passed, probably right about 6 p.m., a little bit after that, it says in Mark 16.1, Mary Magdalene, Mary of James, the mother of is not there. So it could be Mary of James, her husband, or of James, her son. Okay, but uh, usually, I don't think it usually says of a son. So it's probably her her husband there. But the mother of is added there in, into the, it's not found in the Greek. So we see Mary Magdalene, Mary of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. So the first thing happens after the Sabbath ends is these three women... At least, there might be others with them that aren't named. We see that oftentimes in scriptures. These three at least went and bought the spices that they might anoint him. Okay? Next thing we see in verse 2 of Mark 16, it says, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week. Okay? Uh, Matthew 28, 1 says it differently. It says, uh, as the day began to dawn. So it's very similar language there. And Luke 24, 1 says, very early in the morning as well. Okay, John 20 and verse 1 uh, says, and this only mentions Mary Magdalene, says, while it was still dark. 
Okay, so you see all these things coming together. While it's still dark, as it's about to dawn, so the sun's basically coming up. Okay, but it's still dark out. Now, who who was going to this tomb? Who do we know went to this tomb? Mary Magdalene, okay. Joanna, okay. Mary of James, yep. And Salome. And we know um, from Luke 24.10, it says there were other women as well. And so we don't know all the women who went there, but we do know. And when it comes to, when it comes to these passages that have different details, do we take the one with the least detail? Or do we combine all the details together to get a full picture? Right. Right, so what we see in Matthew 28, 1, it mentions Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who's of James. That's the only two it mentions. Mark 16, 1, it mentions those two plus Salome. Luke 24, 10, it mentions Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. It does not mention Salome, but it mentions Joanna, and then it says other woman, plural. So obviously Salome would be included in the other woman, but there's other people besides Salome because it's plural, other women. Okay. So these all went to the tomb at the same time. But, you know, someone in John 20 only mentions Mary Magdalene, doesn't mention any of the rest of them. Only mentions her, because the focus is on her when it comes to the story it's telling in, in John 20. Okay, so what we've seen so far is the women went and bought spices, and then they began to go to the tomb early in the morning while the sun was still rising, was beginning to dawn, we see who was there. Uh, the, the next detail we see, found in Matthew 28 and verse 2, <clears throat> and this is the only one that gives this detail, says a great earthquake. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. So there was a great earthquake. Now how far and wide this earthquake was felt, I have no idea. But I do know that when the woman got there, look at this here in a second, they were surprised that the tomb had rolled away. And whether there was an earthquake and they didn't relate it back to the tomb, the stone being rolled away, I have no idea, but they were surprised when they got there because they were thinking to themselves on the way there, who's going to roll back the, the stone for us? Okay, so they, they didn't know it was going to be that way when they got there. And not only that, they didn't know that the Pharisees had gone to Pilate and asked them to seal it and put a guard there. They had no idea about that at this point. Okay. So when they arrived and it was rolled away, they might not even have understood the significance of it being rolled because it was sealed. And the fact they, they weren't, they probably weren't expecting to see guards here. But the guards we see in verse 4, they shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now, what does that mean? We talked about this a little bit last week. I don't know exactly what that means. Eventually they ran back. We see later on in Matthew 28. When they did, I don't know. Maybe became like dead men means they fainted. I don't know. Okay? The scripture doesn't say it. But... They weren't afraid when they saw the Salat soldiers, these women. You see right here in, in verse 5. Um, and Now, this, at this point, at, at the beginning, we see the angel sat on top of the stone he rolled away. But we do know that in verse 5, when he's talking to the ladies, where is, where is the angel at this point in time? Is he still outside on top of the stone? No, he's inside talking to them, right? And he's inside talking to them when? After they've already gone in there. And they've seen what has happened, right? They've seen the Jesus isn't there. Okay, so we see a great earthquake, um, and, all this, and the stone was rolled away while they're on their way there. Mark 16.3 talks about this. It says in Mark 16.3, uh, talking about the ladies here, it says, And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door for the, of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Okay? 
So they saw they had been rolled away, and then they entered the tomb. We see that in Mark 16 and verse 5. It says, In entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And this, once again, brings us back to Matthew 28, where they were scared. It says in Matthew 28 and verse uh, verse, uh, 5, And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. So Matthew skips over the part that the other details give, or Mark gives and Luke gives, that they went inside first and saw that their, the body was not there before he spoke to him. It, it doesn't uh, give the detail that he's actually inside the tomb when he says these things, but the other scriptures do. And so you see that in Mark. Uh, you also see that in Luke 24, going back to that. It says uh, in Luke 24... In verse 2 it says, But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it, it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. So how many angels were there all together? Two, right? At least two. Well, I guess there could have been more than two, but Luke only gives, he tells us two, right? Matthew only mentions one. Mark only mentions one, and Mark mentions the one. What does he say about the one he mentions? That he looked like what? A young man. He looked like a young man. And so at least one of the angels, probably both of them, looked like young men. And the, But the one who spoke to them in Mark was looked like a young man himself. And so we see that uh, there was an account here. They were perplexed about it. Then they were fearful. And in verse 5 it says, Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. They remembered his words. Talking about, so they, they heard Jesus mention these things several times. We'll get back to that here in a second. Um, so they, they get to the tomb. They see the stone is rolled away. They go inside, they see that Jesus' body is not there, they're perplexed about it, then they see the two angels. And one of them talks to him first, as a young man, and then they, then they both begin to talk to him, and they say these things that are found in Luke's Gospel here. John doesn't mention any of this stuff. All John mentions is Mary Magdalene, he's only focusing on her, he's not focused on any other woman, and we'll get to that here in a minute. Only focusing on Mary Magdalene, she goes into the tomb, and then she runs out and goes back and gets Simon, Peter, and, and John. It's all it mentions about her. It doesn't mention anything about angels or about any other woman. Okay? Alright, so we see that happening, and then they're told to go back and tell the disciples, these, these women who are there, they're told to go back and tell the disciples the things which they heard from the angels, that, he, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and that he's going to meet them in Galilee. Okay, that's what they're to go back and tell him. Alright, and then we see in... Uh, Luke 24, 5, 3, which you just read, um, this idea of being risen from the dead. Now, they heard this many times from Jesus, okay? I'll give you some scripture references here if you want to take them down. Uh, they heard this from Jesus in Luke 9, 22. Um, now, I don't know which instances that these women were there hearing. They heard it from him before. It says, and they remembered his words. And to remember something, you must have heard it before, right? And so they heard it from Jesus before, but we see Jesus talking to his disciples, and these women were at least in the midst of the disciples at some point in time. Luke 9.22 talks about this. Luke 18 and verse 33, can't read my own handwriting, talks about it. 
Matthew 12, 40. Uh, Matthew 16 and verse 21. You see it in Matthew 17 and verse 23. Uh, Matthew 20 and verse 19. And let's just look at a couple of these in Mark 8. Mark 8, 31. After Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, we see in verse 31, And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he t- turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. I think part of the reason, as I read through some of these passages I'm giving you here, where he mentioned these things, is that when they hear Jesus talk about this, he's always mentioning it along with his death, and they get kind of excited and upset about this, and they I don't think they hear the resurrection part. I think they, they just hear it, uh, maybe they heard it but didn't take it in. They hear the death part, and they want to rebuke him, because you're not supposed to die, you're the Messiah. So they think to themselves, okay? Go to Mark 9, and uh, we'll read verses 9 through 13. <clears throat> it says, it's after the, tr- the Mount of Transfiguration. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them, talking about James, John, and Peter, um, that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So he's mentioning it right there. Till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. So there's a lack of understanding here. Um, and they asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how it, is, is it written that concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you, Elijah has, has also come, and they did to him whatever they wish, as it is written of him. Talking about John the Baptist, of course, who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And then in verse 30, of Mark 9, he says, Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, they will rot, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. So there's a lack of understanding on their part uh, concerning these things. And we see it, by the way, we'll see as we look at this later on, how they respond when people come back and tell them, he's not there, he's not there, he's not there, how they respond to that. They just didn't understand what really was supposed to happen. And the fact that the women went to the tomb on Sunday morning to anoint him with more oil, to put more spices in there, that tells you they didn't think he was going to rise on the third day either. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going there expecting him to be gone. They wouldn't expect a dead body to be there, right? And so you see these these women, they're they're... They're remembering these things, and I'm not even sure they're, they're completely understanding these things, but they are remembering these things. Okay? Then let's go to John chapter 20 for a second here. And let's focus on Mary Magdalene just for a minute here. Okay? There's a reason, there's a focus there, I believe. <clears throat> John 20, and let's. Uh, Read verse 1 and 2. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. 
Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Okay, so the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way, is John, the one who's writing this book. So you, so you know that, okay? And you'll, you'll, if you want to know the, why I think that, you can read the last verse of the Gospel according to John. We'll tell you why. So what I think happened with Mary Magdalene, she went to the tomb with the other ladies, first thing in the morning, as the beginning of dawn, they went there with the spices, preparing to anoint his body. They saw the, the, the stone rolled away. They went into the tomb. And at this point, here's where the question arrives. We don't have the details of what happened at this point, the chronology of it. I think you have two options. Um, one, either she didn't see and hear the angels. She left the tomb. As soon as she saw Jesus' body was not there, she was kind of frantic and left the tomb right away before the angel appeared before them. Or she was there when the angel appeared before them, and she got so afraid of that, she left before they said anything. Or maybe a third option could possibly be that she heard and saw the angels, didn't take it in, didn't understand, and just ran away. Okay? Those are the kind of three options I think you have there. But she went back before the other ladies went back. Okay? And she went back before them. And when, as she went back, she went and told Simon Peter. And, li- and listen to what she said here in verse 2. This is why I, I be- it has to be one of those three options, in my opinion. Because she said, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, if she heard the, the angels and actually understood what they were saying to her, would she have said such a statement? No, she wouldn't have. So, I think it's one of those three options. Uh, either she went into the tomb, like the other woman did, didn't see the angel yet, they saw the body was gone, there's perplexed, and she just ran away. I think that's probably the most likely one. She ran away right then. Or she stood there, she saw the angel, she got frightened, she ran away then. Or she stood there, she got frightened with the rest of them, Heard what they had to say, and then didn't pay attention, didn't hear it. Sometimes when you're frantic about something, you're upset about something, you don't really take things in, you know? And so that's a third option as well. But I'm kind of leading towards the first one, personally. Okay, so she ran back, and as she's running back to the tomb, I think the ladies are getting the full message from the angels. They had bowed themselves down to the ground, as we've read already. They get the full message from the angels, and they start to walk back as well. But she ran back, okay? She got Peter and John, and we see, let's begin to read again in John chapter 20. This is John chapter 20, verse 3. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Is John trying to rub it in his face here or what? <laughs> uh, John, he, he says it several times here that he made it to the tomb before Peter. Obviously, John was a better runner, better in shape, maybe younger than he was, okay? He outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. So John, he stopped there at the beginning of the tomb and looked in but didn't go in. So he's kind of, he's a faster guy, maybe a little more bashful, a little more shy. Peter, he just runs right in there, as we see here in a second. And Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together and in place by itself. Now, if if Jesus' body had been stolen, do you think the thieves are going to unwrap the body before they steal it? It's a dead body. They're going to steal it with the stuff on the body, right? And are they going to neatly fold the handkerchief and put it in a different place? No, and so it shows you that it wasn't someone from the outside taking the body. It was someone from the inside of this wrapping escaping the wrapping and being put nicely in its place like it should be, Okay. So Christ uh, rose from the grave. That's that's what we're seeing here. That they didn't understand it at first. It says um, 
And the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. He believed he was gone. For as yet they did not know. Now the word for know there is a Greek word oida. It means to intellectually know. Okay. It also could be uh, translated as understand or recall. Okay, so at this point in time, they didn't know, they didn't understand, they didn't recall, because they I gave you several verses of Scripture where Jesus talked about these things very clearly. You can look them up yourself, very clearly talk to these things about them. So they, it's just that they didn't understand these things, or they didn't remember these things, kind of like the women didn't. Okay? And then in verse 10, uh, then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now the word homes is not in the Greek here. Okay? All it says is they went to their own. That's what the Greek word says there. They went to their own. So they're they're assuming it's homes here. The word for homes is not there. I don't know why they don't have homes in italics in the Bible. The word for homes is not there. And so I think they actually went back to their own, meaning their own disciples, their brothers in Christ, because their home was far away. We're talking about all the way back in Galilee, out by the, the Sea of Galilee, which is north and east of where Jerusalem is. And so I seriously doubt they went back to their own homes. Okay, that's where they're from. They're from Galilee. I think they actually went back to their own, talking about their own people, the people they're with, their true brothers and sisters, you know, those who obey God's commandments. And let's read on with Mary here and see what happened with her. Um, we see that, uh, well, actually, before we get to that point here, let's see here. The other women. Now, this is, this is the point where, as Ma- as Mary is running back to the tomb with, We've talked about this already uh, with Simon and John. The other ladies get the whole message uh, to the point of understanding it and remembering it, and they leave. And um, now we see this point where Mary has an encounter with Jesus. She's the first one to see Jesus risen from the dead. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped, stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord and do not know where they have laid him. Now, they could have responded to this, what she said, but obviously they looked beyond her and saw someone standing behind her, and so they didn't have to answer it. It says in verse 14, Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener, because who else would be up that early in the morning, right? Uh, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher, it also means master as well. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. And then Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had, uh, he had spoken these things to her. And so she has the first encounter um, with with Jesus. And um, obviously the other ladies are already on their way back to to meet the other disciples. And Peter and John are already on their way back. And uh, Luke twenty four twelve talks about Peter as well. Only mentions Peter. It's not mentioned John or Mary Magdalene, but only mentions Peter. So they're on their way back. He appears to to, uh, to Mary, and when she went back, according to Mark sixteen nine through eleven, when she finally got back and, and told them the things, it says um, Mark sixteen nine. And when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, 
out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those uh, who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And so even though she had claimed to see him rise from the dead, uh, they did not believe her. Okay, and after, since she's the first one, it's according to Mark 9, she's the first one that Jesus appeared to. We know that the other woman he appeared to was next. Okay? Let's go to Matthew 28 and read 9 through 11. It's all making sense so far? Everyone's getting it? Okay. So just to go over it again, we, we see the, the, the ladies come to the tomb, opened up, they go inside, they see, they see Jesus' body is gone. I think Mary Magdalene runs away at this point. Then the angels appear to them, they say, they give them a message, they're afraid, they bow down to the ground. At this point, Mary's running back, she's getting James and uh, P- Peter and John. They're running back, then the ladies get the message, they start to walk back, they run back, Peter doesn't see, uh, Peter and Jane, John go in, don't see Jesus' body there. Mary goes in, she's weeping. She sees Jesus. She starts to walk back. Okay, But as she's starting to walk back, the other ladies are still walking back. So is Peter and John. And I think that's where we are right here in verse 9 of Matthew 28. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. This is talking about the ladies now. Okay, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and, they will, and there they will see me. Okay, now if we go to Mark 16, again, Mark 16, 8, they actually arrive, uh, they arrive back there, Mark 16, 8, we see that on the way back, after they have seen Jesus, or before they have seen Jesus, I believe this is before they saw Jesus, they were afraid when after they saw the angels. So Mark 16, 8 says about these ladies, minus Mary Magdalene, they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, I believe this is the reason why Jesus may have appeared to them on their way back. Because they got afraid, they were amazed about seeing the angels and not seeing Jesus' body there, and maybe they were afraid to tell the disciples, and maybe that's why uh, Jesus appeared to them. Now, this is subjection on my part, uh, conjecture, I'm just... You know, that's how I'm kind of reasoning out why he would have appeared to them. He probably had other reasons too, but I think they were afraid on the way back, and so he appeared to them to give them more confidence, tell them not to be afraid, and go tell them uh, where to meet him. Okay, so Luke 24, and verse 11. We see now, when these women appeared back, it says in verse 11, their words seemed to them, like idle tales, they did not believe them. So they didn't believe these women either. Okay? And in Luke 24 and verse... Let's see. Uh, and then Luke 24 and verse 24. And now Jesus is talking to the, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. He's talking to the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And they, as they're recounting back to Jesus the things that uh, they heard before they left on their seven-mile journey to Emmaus, they say in Luke 24, 24, And certain of those who are with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. That's referring to Peter and John. So So Peter and John had come back before these two disciples left the meeting place for Emmaus. So they had returned as well. 
Okay, so after we see the appearance, he appears to Mary Magdalene, appears to the other women. They Both those groups get back. Peter and John are back as well. They've all ex- explained these things to everyone. So now two groups have seen Jesus. Mary Magdalene saw Jesus rise from the dead, and then the other women on the way back saw Jesus rise from the dead as well. And they're all announcing these things to the other disciples, and some of them believed, some of them didn't believe, and uh, some of them were bewildered about what had happened. Obviously, these two disciples on the way to Emmaus were bewildered. Now when now we're to the point where they're leaving um, the place where they're meeting for Emmaus. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now I think we talked about this last week. Seven miles, walking at a 25-minute to 30-minute-per-mile pace, it would take about three to three-and-a-half hours to walk seven miles, okay? You know, when us men have walked early in the morning, we'd walk three miles, and we'd walk at a pretty brisk pace, and it'd take about an hour. So that's about a 20-minute mile. So I, I figure a 25, 30-minute mile is about a, about a proper uh, time limit there. Um, but three to three and a half hours to walk from where they were in Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed in reason, that Jesus himself drew near. This is going to be the third appearance of Jesus to someone, uh, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were rest, uh, restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Uh, then the one whose name was... And the fact that they're sad, what does that tell you? Do they understand what had happened yet? And if Jesus had risen from the dead, they wouldn't be sad, right? He's alive. They'd be, they'd be praising God about it. And so... They still weren't understanding these things, so they were sad. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? He said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our own rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel, Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things had happened. Yes, and certain women from our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, and all the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them all, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Well, wouldn't that be a great sermon to have on videotape or to have on audio recording? I mean, it's like a three-hour sermon by Jesus expounding on the prophets and the law all the things concerning himself. That'd be wonderful to have. I guess we'll hear it someday. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us for his toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with him gathered. Got it? with them gathered together. And so we see they, they have this, you know, probably a three-hour walk back, okay, back to Emmaus. Uh, 
And once they get there, it says that the in verse 29, the day is far spent. I mean, it's getting to the very end of the day. It's probably getting close to 6 o'clock at this point, close to the sun going down. And even though it's at that point, they've already walked 7 miles, what do they do? They turn around and go back the other way. They go back to tell them that they now have seen him as well. And then in verse 34, it says this, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. That's a fourth appearance of Jesus. So it must have happened that while they're on their way back, and let's say they're running back, okay? Let's say it takes them not three hours now, but an hour to an hour and a half. So in that time frame right there, Jesus somehow appeared to Peter by himself. Not the rest of the disciples with him, but only Peter by himself. Now, why he did that, we can probably suppose it's because he denied him three times. He's trying to encourage him or restore him or, you know, bring him back into the fold or it may be. But uh, whatever it is, he appears to Simon next <clears throat> um, while they are on their way back. Okay? And then we see in Luke uh, 24, in verse 36... It says, uh, this is after they had come back, they heard that he appeared to Simon Peter as well. So in verse 36, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, supposed that they had seen a spirit. So after all these things, Mary Magdalene had touched him. The other ladies had grabbed his feet, remember? So they knew he wasn't, they knew he wasn't a spirit. Peter had saw him. They didn't say he grabbed him or touched him or anything, but surely he knew at this point in time he wasn't just a spirit, but the rest of them are still having a problem with it. They're still having an issue. So you see the misunderstanding. The comple- I mean, they're not understanding this resurrection idea of the body, that they're completely risen from the dead. They're not understanding these things. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do, you have, uh, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that is, I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still not not believed for joy and marveled, he said for him, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So whatever the the glorified body is like, because uh, we will be like Jesus when we rise from the dead, you can still eat. You're still just like a regular person. Now Jesus, he shows them his his hands and his his his, his feet and his side. He'll show Thomas later on. And Thomas, he said, put your hand into my side. And so the wounds are still there. And obviously there's no blood pouring out of them. So, uh, and he says here that, you know, spirits don't have flesh and bones. Okay. And who is spirit and must worship in spirit and truth? God. So does God have flesh and bones? No, God does not have flesh and bones. Does the Holy Spirit have flesh and bones? But are they people? Yes. Yes. So can you be a person but not have flesh and bones? Yes, and the, the fact that they saw Jesus and didn't believe he was a person, didn't believe he was, they believed he was a spirit, but they still believed he was a person. He was talking to him, he was talking back to them. Tells me that someone can be in spirit form, not be in flesh and bone form, and they can still be a person, right? right. Okay. The reason I bring that up, just it's kind of like a side note here, is that some people would have you. I know it's kind of going on a, a you know. A, an exit ramp here for a second, but the, there's lots. There's people out there who maybe are doubting. Uh, the existence of the soul or the spirit after the grave, that their soul sleep or that, you know, uh, you know, while, while we're waiting for the residence of the dead, we're not really conscious uh, because we don't have flesh and bones. Because in order to be a person, you must have flesh and bones. And we see that's not true just from this little little glimpse right here. 
Okay, so that, that's the, just a little side note there for a second. Hopefully that is understandable for everybody. But you see that he eats, um, and we see later on with Thomas that you can touch him. And so whatever the glorified body is, it pro- I don't know if the glorified body has blood or not. It's a good question. Because the blood was not pouring out of Jesus. And we'll see in John 20 here in a second when he said to, to Thomas, put your hand in my side. And blood wasn't pouring out continually while he was standing there. Uh, so somehow, I don't know if this will be true of all of us, but the Bible will say we'll be like him. Okay? And so um, whether we'll have blood or not, I have no idea. But we'll be we'll still have a flesh and bones body. I do know that. And we'll still be able to eat. Okay? And that's one of the, some of the things he uses to prove to them that he actually is not a spirit, but he has flesh and bones. Mm-hmm. You said, and I agree that the point that God is spirit and worship is spirit and truth, mm-hmm. and Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. God the Son. God the Son. John 4, which is we're quoting from, is talking about God the Father. Yes. Spirit and truth. He is spirit, must worship him in spirit and truth. Yep. Yeah, so I'm just saying that because there's, there's some people who we, we listened to before, like Tim Warner, he, he's starting to question those things. And so and one of the arguments he uses is that uh, soul actually means the whole person. It means their body, too. And that, uh, you know, after the grave, when you die, the spirit is, is it goes back to God and we're no longer conscious until we're risen from the dead again. So I'm just, I'm just use that as a sidetrack in case any of you have listened to some of his teachings about this where he's starting to question these. I know you have, brother. Uh, does it sound like I'm representing his position accurately? Yeah, it sounds fairly okay. uh, complete. He believes that the, the soul is the uh, uh, your experiences, everything that you are, but it, it, it's, it's combined with your body, so that your soul cannot exist without the body. And that's his position. Yeah. That whenever your body dies, that your soul is actually attached to the remains of your body, whether it gets scattered into ashes, whether it changes state. I mean, your body still exists in some form, whether sure. it's ash or decomposed, or turned back into dirt. Right. But he says that dirt, or that ash, or whatever it is of that body, your soul is still connected to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hanging out there. Yeah. He, he, he says the spirit's that, going to be, going to heaven. Right, he says that the, the grave is where you go. You don't go to hell, you don't go to paradise, you go to the grave. No, the spirit has not gone to heaven. The spirit goes back to God. That's yeah. Yeah, so we, we, won't, we won't get too much into this. I didn't want to get too much into it. Just a little exit ramp just for a second here in case any of you were listening to it. I guess it was mostly for Brother Tracy. I know he was, he's been listening to it. Uh, but we'll, we'll probably talk about it a different time later on down the road. Um, so we see that these things, he proves these things that he can eat. And then in verse 44 he says, Then he said to them, These are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And then he opened their understanding... They might comprehend the scriptures. They said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in him in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Okay, so we see he opens their understanding, they begin to finally to understand these things. Now who does he appear to here? Uh, let's go to John twenty. And let's see who's included and who he appears to here. Now, there in John, I mean, in Luke, it, it, it says the 11, okay, and um, let's see here, yeah, in verse 33, it says the 11, and those who are gathered together, now, I don't know if he's including Thomas and Liv or not, but John 20 uh, says, um, now, Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. 
Okay, so when Jesus appeared to them that night, after the, the Emmaus disciples came back and talked to them, everyone's now back there now. When Jesus appeared to them then, Thomas was not one of them. So I don't know if if uh, Luke is including maybe Matthias at that point in time. Because remember, when Luke is written, it's written after Matthias has already been chosen in the book of Acts. So maybe that's why he said 11, or maybe he's saying 11, he's trying to include Thomas, but Thomas wasn't actually there. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands. And reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are, excuse me, blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. And so we see <clears throat> the order of the appearance of Jesus to different people, we see that he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, then he appeared to the other women who were on their way back from the tomb, then he appeared to the disciples on the way to Emmaus, then he appeared to Peter, then he appeared to all of them except for Thomas who was not there, and then he appeared to all of them with Thomas there. Okay, And, that, and we're going to look at other appearances next time I teach next week, but that's the, that's the appearance we're going to end on this week. Uh, these other appearances that 1 Corinthians 15 talks about, like a 500 and, uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, these that's the appearance we're going to end on here. And we'll finish up Matthew hopefully next week. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't. And then after that, the two weeks after that, we're going to, just like we did last time, we're halfway through Matthew. In Matthew 14, we went did a review of the first seven and the second seven. The two weeks after that, we'll review the third seven and the fourth seven. So we can kind of get this in your mind. I might even make up a test to see how well you remember the things you learned in Matthew. And some of you are at a disadvantage because you weren't here at the beginning, but those who are at the beginning uh, will see how well you listened and how well you retained uh, everything. Whether I do a test or not, we'll be doing a review. Okay, so let's open. I know there may be some questions <clears throat> about things. Um, you know, this was I've been studying this uh, probably about three weeks now regarding the chronology here. It was difficult, and uh, I, I really couldn't find... I looked at commentary, so I couldn't really find one that I completely agreed with on these things. But um, based upon the facts and the scripture we looked at, this, this is what I've, I've come forth with. And I, th I think it's probably the most accurate thing I can come up with. Okay, questions, objections, or things you want to add? Oh, it'd be written. That's what I was. That's what I mean by te by test. And, yeah. uh, I, um, it won't be open book. No, I, okay. Be open book. Yeah. Tried I'm just letting you know. I'm not saying you right, said it was. I, I don't really think it's fair that people who just got here don't don't uh, participate too. At least in the last few you know, parts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, there's grace involved there. It might be multiple choice, might be fill in the blank, might be true false, might be like long answer essay. No, I'm just joking. No essay. I might say, give me a chronology of who Jesus appeared to. You know. Huh? 
Uh, we'll see. I have plenty of time to think about that. So, I mean, I have next week to finish up Matthew, and then Brother Kevin will teach, and I'll teach two more weeks, and then I'll be able to give the test after that. So, it's about a month from now, so I have plenty of time to think about those details. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is important to, you know, we don't want this to be like the public school education system where you memorize a bunch of facts, and as soon as you don't test, well, you forgot them, you know. Stuff that you want to remember. This is the kind of stuff you want to keep in there for good, you know. So when, when your Bibles get taken away, if they do, you still have it up there, you know. You still have it up there. So, all right, Brother Tracy. You said uh, one thing uh, back in uh, Luke uh, 4, uh-huh. uh, in verse 10, which says it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna mm-hmm. uh, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them. Um, the, it says women that were with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually not in the text, right? Well, women is not with not in the text, but other with them. Other with them, so woman is not there. Right. Salome was with them. We know Salome was with them. That's not mentioned there, right. so we know she was a woman. So right. that's probably why they put that in there. So it, it wouldn't necessarily mean other women that weren't listed in all the accounts. It could just mean the, the ones that wasn't listed in this account. There's only one that wasn't listed in this account. That's Salome. Right. And so I, I think it's in the plural there, in in the Greek. So it has to be more than Salome, I think. The other is in the plural. Yes. Yes. The women's not there. No, other them, other with them. Yeah, so I think that's I think it's that's why they put women there because right. the rest of it's in the plural. But but it's at least alone and one other person. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. How would you uh, uh, see the complexity of this between the four uh, gospels? How do we deal with skeptics in the open air? Well, I don't think it is simple. I don't think it is simple. Part of the problem with skeptics is that they're always they're looking for problems with the Bible. If you come to the Bible with the proper mindset that it is the Word of God, you're, you're not going to try to find problems with it. You're going to try to find ways to make it fit the way it's supposed to. And so that's the problem, their bias. And so you're not going to find, I mean, even this explanation I've given, skeptics probably won't accept it. But who cares? You know, I know that the Bible is infallible and there's no problems with it. There's no, no errors, no contradictions in it. So um, it's, it's not going to be simple to deal with. <clears throat> and they may think they have one over on you by pointing out differences between them. But we know they don't. And so, But their main problem is not, as we know with any skeptic, their main problem is not a intellectual problem. It's a moral problem. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They want to be sinners. That's the main problem. So if, if someone were to try to bring this up to me, I might try to explain it to them, depending on how their demeanor is and the way they're acting. If they're just a mockers, listen, I don't have to convince you of anything. And then it go right to the moral law, go right back to their sin, and go back to the cross, you know, which is really the real issue with them. You know? But if they're open to it, if they really want to sit down and listen to me and explain to them, they, they should be willing to accept it, because it is, a, it is a, uh, an explanation that fits with everything that's found here, you know. Do you have your, off, uh, your hand up, Sean? Oh, I thought you did. I was thinking of a question, but I can't find it. Okay. Apparently, well, I think I have a question to ask. So it seems like they bought spices the night before, mm-hmm. basically right after the Sabbath, so 16, right after 6 p.m. sometime, in there in the evening, they bought. Right. And the next morning would have been where they went. Right, exactly. Yeah. What's that? It's after the Sabbath. After the Sabbath. Oh, I'm sorry. After Sabbath ends. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just want to make sure 6 p.m. wasn't considered morning to them somehow. No, no, it was not considered morning. And not only that, we see it says early in the morning that it began to dawn. Yeah, yeah. 6 p.m. is not dawning, it's dusking. Yeah, so. One th- one thing skeptics may say, or some might say that, one, one objection I thought of anyway, is that people would say, well, the early church, they wouldn't have had all four Gospels at once. Well, that, that may be true. Some locations may not have had all four at once. But the, the, the good news about them is they had the actual apostles there to give more details, to give more explanation, explanation and elaboration on these things. Whereas we don't have that, which is one of the reasons we need all four accounts to be able to get the full context of what happened there. Yes. Uh, part, I can't remember exactly which kind of details mm-hmm. yeah. here. Uh, where uh, Jesus says, do not cling to me, for I'm not yet ascended to the, to the Father. That's in John. Yeah, I don't believe uh, he's actually talking about physical touching there. I think he's just talking about don't get used to me being around. Mm-hmm. Because in the other account, they, they actually all did touch him. Because mm-hmm. uh, there are some false doctrines people can pull from that. But I've heard people say that uh, because women are unclean, they couldn't touch Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a really horrible thing to say. But I've, I've heard people say that before because of that one little passage. And I just wanted to bring that out. I think I think he's talking about uh, don't get used to me being around as mm-hmm. far as don't cling to me. Like you hear people say all the time, well, that person's really kind of clingy. That person's really kind of attachy, you know, uh, type of person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe that's what he's talking about there because they all they all touched him. The women touched his feet. I mean, he was touched. He was. He said, "Handle me." Mm-hmm. All these other times, he said, "Touch me." I don't think he's talking about physical touching. Me. Or maybe he just. Maybe she did touch him. He's just don't hold on to me. You have to let go of me. Right. So I have to go to my father, and right. I have to come back, and you have to go back and tell them. Right. So either either way, I mean, I, they can try to make a, even if it is I'm talking about physical touching, they can try to make a false doctrine, but it doesn't. She touched him. Right. I mean, if if she touched him, she touched him. So that that can't be. You can't get a false doctrine of that. I mean, there's. People will try to make it like the Gnostics are trying to make it in false doctrine, yeah, but some really bad things come out of that. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm wondering how the Gnostics got by at least 24, uh, 38, or John 20, where he has the nail prints on the side, his hands and his feet, and I'm just talking about where he ate in front of them. Did John 20 talk about him eating in front of them? Yeah, John 20, yeah. Twisting and erasing. Okay, anybody else? Yes. Yes, the, the Bible does say that the life is in the blood, but even if our uh, glorified bodies doesn't have any blood, we're going to have life regardless. So, yeah. Uh, it doesn't really say whether or not we're going to have blood. Uh, it, it wouldn't make sense that Jesus would be walking around blood gushing out of his side anywhere. That wouldn't right. make any sense. Well, he could be healed as long as he could be healed. Well, the hole would still be there in order to stick your hand inside the wound. The hole would have holes, wounds that are, have holes in their body that can heal. Still stick your finger and hand in the cavity, it's still there. So that still, but they still have blood. And so I, I don't know if I believe that, but I do believe he's obviously not bleeding all over the place, so he would be healed if he has blood. We have tears, so in the kingdom we'll shed tears for a while and we'll dry with tears. So we still have physical tears. 
say it's probably possible that we could have blood because the Bible does say the life is in the blood, so it makes sense that we would still have it. But our blood would never be shed ever again, right? so we, we wouldn't ever see it. So whether we have it or not is going to be kind of irrelevant because we're not going to see it anyway. 